Jeremiah 45, let's look at it now, verse number one. The word that Jeremiah the prophet spake unto Baruch, the son of Neriah, when he had written these words in a book at the mouth of Jeremiah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto thee, O Baruch, thou didst say, Woe is me now, for the Lord hath added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing, and I find no rest. Thus shalt thou say unto him, The Lord saith thus, Behold, that which I have built will I break down, and that which I have planted I will pluck up, even this whole land. And seekest thou great things for thyself, seek them not, for behold, I will bring evil upon all flesh, saith the Lord, but thy life will I give unto thee for a prey in all places whither thou goest. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on his word. Heavenly Father, as we open up the scriptures, enlighten us, help us. Uh, Father, again, if there's someone lost this morning, uh, Lord, you please again show them the way. Help them, Father, draw them to yourself. Help them to accept Christ as their personal Savior. Help us as Christians this morning to take this thought, apply to our life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Church family, this uh, one uh, chapter that has five verses really encompasses a whole lot. Someone might say it even encompasses the whole book. Jeremiah is speaking to, we refer to Baruch as the scribe. We don't know for sure that Baruch was not the servant of Jeremiah, but Baruch was definitely the person who penned the words of Jeremiah. And Baruch oftentimes would speak those words uh, to the people as well as the princes. And of course, um, God used him in a great way. This chapter, though, is really God speaking to this one person. I don't know if you caught it while we're reading this chapter, but God is speaking directly to Baruch. All right, so let me just read a couple more verses with you again, again, to kind of get us understanding the passage uh, to give us the thought this morning. But in verse number one, it says, The word that Jeremiah the prophet spake unto Baruch. So Baruch's the one that he's speaking to, the son of Neriah, when he had written these words in a book at the mouth of Jeremiah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. Now, there's, again, to understand the history of what's going on here, the Bible says this is in the fourth year of Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim was the third to the last king of Judah. All right, now, most of you know your Bible, but you understand that the kingdom split. We understand that the kingdom of Israel split underneath Rehoboam. Ten tribes followed Jeroboam. Then you had two tribes that followed Rehoboam. And from there, they had a succession of kings. Uh, Israel, the ten tribes, have already gone into captivity. They're in captivity under Sennacherib, king of Assyria. But the last two tribes, which we refer to as Judah, has not gone into captivity yet. So if you're with me so far, say amen. amen. So we're, we're on to the last three kings before Judah is going to go under Babylon, under Nebuchadnezzar. Jehoiakim was the third to the last king. He, he was the reign. He reigned for 11 years. I know this is history, but follow now. 11 years, Jehoiakim. For three months after him was Jehoiachin. And then the last one for 11 years was Zedekiah. Those were the last three kings of Judah. So here you have Jeremiah the prophet speaking to Jehoiakim, and he's doing it through Baruch. Now, again, would you please give me liberty this morning to make a little more groundwork to understand the thought this morning. We're going to come right back to this chapter. This chapter in chapter number 45 is connected to chapter 36. All right, look back to chapter 36. Let me point out what, what's going on here. In Jeremiah chapter 36, the Bible says in verse number 1, And it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim. How many remember reading that in chapter 45? In the fourth year of Jehoiakim. So these are connected. It says this, uh, uh, go, let me start from the beginning. It came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take thee a roll of a book. And write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel and against Judah and against all the nations from the day I spake unto thee, from the days of Josiah, even to this day. 
It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them, that they may return every man from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity of the, and their sin. Then Jeremiah called for who? Baruch, the son of Neriah. And Baruch wrote from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord, which he, spake, uh, which he had spoken unto him upon a roll of a book. Now, church, let me think for a moment here. Again, 11 years, Jehoiakim, three months, Jehoiachin, 11 years, Zedekiah, and then the uh, Babylonian captivity is going to take place, and Israel will be in Babylon for 70 years. Prior to this, God speaks through the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah speaks out and says, listen, Israel, you're not doing right. God's going to judge you. He's going to have you go into captivity, and the reason you're going to captivity is because you're not doing what, what God wants you to do. You're not serving him. So here, Jeremiah talks to Baruch. Baruch's the scribe. Now, you have to pretend for just a moment. Baruch sits there with his scroll and his pen, and he's writing at the mouth of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah speaks out. Tell Israel they've sinned. Tell Israel they're going to be judged. Tell Israel they're going to, they're going to uh, go under the punishment of God and go into captivity. Baruch is writing all of this down. All right, this is chapter 36. All right, look what he says next in your Bible, Gen uh, Jeremiah chapter 36. I'm going to skip a little bit. Verse number 10. Then read Baruch in the book... Verse 10, the words of Jeremiah in the house of the Lord, in the chamber of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, the scribe, in the highest court at the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house, in the ears of who? All right, now church family, he reads to all the people. And in verse number 11, there's a prince that was sitting in the house of the Lord that heard those words that Baruch had read. Jump down to verse number 14. Therefore, all the princes sent Jehudai, the son of Nethaniah, the son of Shelemiah, the son of Cushai, and unto Baruch saying, Take in thine hand the roll wherein thou hast read in the ears of the people, and come. So Baruch the son of Neriah took the roll in his hand and came in unto them. And they said unto him, Sit down here and read it in our ears. So Baruch read it in, in their ears. So first Baruch goes to, again, I know there's a little bit of history here, but he goes to the, to the house of God. Baruch, re, Jeremiah doesn't go. Jeremiah tells him what to say. He goes and basically pronounces judgment against Israel at the house of God. There's a prince there. He hears what he says. The prince goes back, tells the other princes, Hey, there's this guy down at the house of God preaching. He's one of those hellfire damnation type of guys. And the princes said, hey, I want to hear that. So they go get Baruch. Baruch comes to where the princes are. The princes here, that's the same role, the same message. Hey, can I just tell you, that book you hold in your hand, same role, same message. Amen. We're living in a society that everybody wants to change the message. The message has not changed. Amen. We're all sinners. We all deserve to go to hell. Jesus loved us and died for us. And the only way you're going to get unto him is that what Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And I want to tell you, everybody wants to change the book. And that's what the devil's doing. That's not what God's doing. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So Baruch comes. He gives the same exact message to the princes. Now look what happens next. In verse number 19. Then said the princes unto Baruch, verse 19, Go hide thee, thou and Jeremiah, and let no man know where ye be. All right, so then what do they do? Verse 20, And they went into the king, into the court, but they laid up the roll in the chamber. Of the, of the uh, Elisha, of the scribe, and told all the words in the ears of the king. Now, because of time's sake, I'm uh, jumping around here. Look down to verse 23. Now they take the book to the king, and they're to re reading it to the king. Verse 23. And it came to pass that when Jehudai had read three or four leaves, he, the king, that's Jehoiakim, he cut it, in, cut it with the penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. I want to stop and say this this morning. Another message, another time, but that's called a penknife Christian. That's a Christian who doesn't mind obeying part of the Bible, but they don't want to obey all the Bible. And by the way, when you start getting away, rid of part, you're going to get rid of all. 
I want to tell you, there's a, and I know lost people, they, they want to try to make their own way to heaven. And the, the reason God uses the term lost is because they're lost. All right. But can I just tell you, there's only one way that's Christ. But Christians have done the same thing. You get the book, but then you're living in this world and you want your Christianity, but you want your worldliness. So you take that pen knife out and say, well, that's not really what the Bible says. I'm taking that out. And I, I don't think that's applying to me. So I'm going to take that out. And that's, that was for them back then. I'm going to take that out. You don't have much of a book if you start doing that. I'm sick and tired trying to explain people on your position. Can I just tell you what position? It's the Bible you hold in your hand. That's the position. This is not a denomination and I'm not Pope Hanks. This is a matter of we got a book we hold in our hand and that's the final authority that we hold. And we're living in a day that everyone wants to take off because, well, you know, that, that's not prevalent. God's just as prevalent now as he was then. Thank you for letting me say that. I feel so much better. All right, now, let's pick it up now in verse number uh, 23. He cuts it up in a pen knife. Verse number 20, uh, I'm going to pick it up in verse 26. But the king commanded Jeremiel, the son of Hamalek, and Sariah, the son of Azrael, and Shelemiah, the son of Abdiel, to take who? Baruch, the scribe, and who else? Jeremiah, the prophet. But what did, what did God do? All right, now, I know that's a long story, but it's all connected to Jeremiah chapter 45. You say, Pastor Riggs, how is it connected 45? Because God is speaking to Baruch directly. He's not just speaking to Jeremiah. He's speaking directly to Baruch. How do we know that? Look at chapter 45 with me. All right? Come on, we're almost there now. We're getting there. Look at Jeremiah chapter 45. Verse number two. Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto thee, O who? Baruch. All right, so God is speaking directly to Baruch. Now look at the very next verse. Verse number three. The, uh, uh, verse number two. Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto thee, O Baruch, Thou didst say. Stop again. Who did God, who's God saying is saying? Baruch. In other words, God just got done saying, this is what you said. Look at your next verse, or the same verse, verse 3. Thou didst say, woe is me now. For the Lord, again Baruch is saying this, for the Lord hath added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing, and I find no rest. Now, here's, what, here's what's taking place. Here's the, here's the thought now. God's, God is speaking to Jeremiah. I'm sorry, he's speaking to Jeremiah. And he says, you tell, you tell Baruch that I'm talking to him. And so he goes to Jeremiah and says, Baruch, God said, you said, woe is me now. Baruch, this is what you said, woe is me now. God, you added grief to my sorrow. Can I just tell you something? The message this morning is woe is me. I think that's what the verse said. Now, I know this morning's message is to Christians this morning. <clears throat> Can I just tell you this morning? I, I've already said it, but I want to tell you this. If you don't know Christ, your Savior, woe is you. Yeah. Young person this morning, you came on a bus this morning, and you came to Sunday school this morning, you came to church this morning. If you come to church and you don't have Christ, you don't know what it means to be saved, woe is you. Because one day, either by rapture or by death, it's going to be over, and you're either in heaven or you're in hell. And those without Christ, woe. What's he talking about? Woe, sorrow, affliction, anguish, desolation, problem, trial, trouble. Now, I want to preach this morning on the actual interpretation of this passage, and I can, we can apply it to the loss this morning, but really, Baruch was a believer. And I want to, you know, believer, what, you know what Baruch said? Woe is me. 
sorrow, anguish, trouble. Now, can, can I just again, and again, I, I'm not trying to be hurtful this morning. God never promised you a happy life. He promises you salvation. He promises that I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You just go through the scripture. He, he promises that your joy will be full, but he doesn't promise you happiness will be full. You know, we get this, we get this idea. Well, once I get saved, all my problems are going to go away. They don't go away. How, why did he make the parallel in the Christian life? The Christian life is about being a soldier. Just saying, we had soldiers just die in Afghanistan. It's not an easy life. You know why? Because it's a fight. It's a battle. The Christian life is not going to be easy. And I'm not here to, to, to try to uh, pour, pour salt on, on anybody's wound this morning. But can I just tell you that God himself is speaking to a man who said, woe is me. And I just know that even in this morning's auditorium, and nobody's come to mind, but you know who you are. You've got this attitude, woe is me. And I'm not here to make fun of that attitude because the reality of what you're going through is real. Your problem is real. Your tears are real. Your heaviness of heart is real. But God is real. Amen. And you're not saved by accident and you're not sanctified by accident. And the problems that you're going through are not this thing of, wow, God sits up there and says, I wonder how that happened. God knows exactly what you're going through in the Christian life. Now, he tells, he tells Baruch some things here this morning. I really, it's very interesting because it's so applicable to, to the Christian life. And I want you to notice what he says now. I want to point out just these three things that are in this passage. But in verse number three, it says, Thou didst say, Baruch, woe is me now, for the Lord hath added grief to my sorrow, and I fainted in my sighing, and I find no rest. Now, let me tell you what's going on with Baruch, and then let me, let's make the application this morning. Baruch just gets done writing from Jeremiah in chapter number 36, and he says, to the, he says to the people at the house of God, and he says to the princes in the palace, he says, listen, God's judgment's upon you, and God's going to destroy this place, and we're all going to go into captivity. So when Baruch makes the statement in chapter number 45, you've added grief to my sorrow, what he's trying to say is this, now he's on the run, because the king is hunting him down to kill him for what he wrote by the hand of Jeremiah. And he looks to God, he says, God, here I am hiding with Jeremiah because the king wants to kill us and you added grief to my sorrow because I just got done telling the people that I love, the place that you put me, I just got done telling that you're going to root us all up and you're going to take us all into captivity and people are going to die by pestilence and by sword and by famine and, I, and all of that grief that I'm already enduring because those who I love are now going to go to captivity and they're going to die. And now you're going to add sorrow to that by making me hide because somebody's going to hunt my life. You know, he's telling God, and he's only saying, woe is me. I want to tell you something. All of us are going to go through things in the Christian life that we're not going to like. I can guarantee you right now that when I got the text at 2 o'clock in the morning that uh, Elizabeth was on the way, to, was at the hospital, and they were going to have to admit their baby, that that's not a happy time for them. He says, he says to Baruch, and let me just point it out now. He says to Baruch, he says, yes, I heard what you said. In verse number three, woe is me. Look at, look at verse, verse number four now. Thus shalt thou say unto him. All right, now follow the, the picture here. Who is, now when God says, thus shalt thou say unto him. All right, he's talking to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, thus shalt thou say unto him. Who's the him? All right, Baruch, look what he says now. Thus shalt thou say unto him, verse four. The Lord saith thus. 
Behold, that which I have built will I break down. And that which I have planted, I will pluck up, even this whole land. But church, let me talk to me for just a moment here. When the, when the Lord said, that which I built, I can, I can break down. That which I plant, I can pluck up. I'm going to be real simplified. What nation is God talking about? He's talking about Judah. Israel, but he's talking about Judah. So here Baruch is telling all these people, we're all going to be destroyed. And then the king finds out about it. Now he has to hide because now the king wants to kill him. And he says, Baruch says, woe is me. We're all going to die. And now i got to hide. And God says, hey, listen, Baruch, let me tell you something. I'm the one that built Israel, and I'm the one that planted Israel in Jerusalem, and I'm the one that even allowed them to come out of Egypt and allowed them to cross the Red Sea and to come to a promised land. I'm the one that did that, and I can do whatever I want with them. Can we make the application? You're going through a rough time, undeniable. But God can do what he wills. And by the way, I'm going to venture a guess, but inside this auditorium right now, right now, you know it. Because I want to tell you, these are not novices in the auditorium for the most part this morning. You're not a novice to Christianity. You're not a novice to being saved. That book you hold in your hand, you've read, and most of you've read through, through the entire from cover to cover. I'm not telling you something you don't know. God can do whatever he wants to do. He can do whatever he wants to do. Well, I don't like it. Can I just tell you, we might not like it, but he's still God. Amen. And by the way, he always knows what's best for us. Right. He always knows what's best for us. I don't know why sometimes we as Christians, we forget that. It's almost like, you know, we know better than God. You know, God should have con confided with us or counseled with us before he did to us what he did. Job lost everything. And you know why he lost everything? Because that's what God allowed. And, that, and yet Job still had the response was, he knows the way that I take. When I'm trying, I'll come forth as gold. God knows what he's doing. Joseph was in prison for 13 years. Do you think he liked that? Sold as a slave? I want to tell you something. Joseph became the governor, and it all goes back to God did what he wanted to do. Jeremiah's going to end up in prison. We've got to go back to saying, not my will, but. You know, I'm going to say it one more time. Not my will, but. How come we don't really say, how come we don't really mean that? You get mad at people, you get mad at circumstances, because things don't happen like you think they're supposed to happen. And you know what the problem is? You're a Baruch. I don't say that means setting. You're, you're acting like Baruch. Woe is me. Life's not fair. This shouldn't happen to me. I tithe. I give an offering. I tell people, God, this isn't fair. God can do whatever he wants to do. The problem is, listen to me, the problem with us as Christians, we look so much horizontal instead of looking vertical that God's the one doing something in our life. Secondly, not only can God do whatever he wants, do what God does what he wills, but look what, he, look what he says next in verse number five. Uh, go ahead and just read the, it's a question. Let's read the first sentence together. You ready? And seekest thou great things for thyself. <laughs> okay. God speaking. Now read the next three words to the answer to that question. 
Now, church, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel, when I first read Jeremiah 45, I feel sorry for Baruch. All Baruch was doing was writing down what Jeremiah told him, and then all he did was do what Jeremiah told him to do. Okay, what I wrote you, go down to the temple and read it. That's all he did. And he goes down there, and very in his, in his innocence, he reads what Jeremiah says. You're all going to die. God's going to judge you. This is what's going to happen in order. And then some guy comes up to him and says, hey, come read this to my clan in the palace. He goes over there and reads it to these princes, and the princes hear it. And as soon as the princes hear it, they know the king's not going to like it. So they tell him, Baruch, you go find Jeremiah and go hide yourself. We're going to read this to the king. He's got to know what's going on. This is the fourth year of, of, of Jehoiakim. And, and, and we're not talking very many years down the road, and we're all going to go into captivity. By the way, they weren't in captivity yet. They were still enjoying life. It was what was going to come to pass. And all of a sudden, Baruch goes and hides himself, and then he gets word, hey, the king's looking for you to kill you. And God tells Baruch, he says, Baruch, stop seeking great things for yourself. Hey, a little, little hesitant about saying how I say this, but I'm just going to say it, okay? I can't say it all the time. I can say it in this, this case because God spelled it out in Scripture. A lot of times the reason we have a woe is me attitude is because we're looking out for us. Amen. And you won't say it, but it's all about you. You know, it's funny. God did not have to be politically correct when he told Baruch that. Preachers have to be politically correct because people are babies. I'm being honest with you. Did you hear what pastor said to me? Grow up! Okay, one person agrees with me. He said, the problem is, is you're looking out for you. And because it's not turning out like you think it should turn out, you're upset about it. God told Baruch, listen, stop seeking great things for yourself. Why did Solomon become king? Solomon became king because he says, I'm but a little child. I know not how to go out or to come in. And how can I serve these, your great people? God says, that's the guy I want. Because it's not about you. It's not about you. I want to tell you something. People who seek great things for themselves, just look at your Bible. Find out how it turned out for them. What did Gehazi do? He leaves Elisha the prophet so he can seek great things for himself. He ends up being a leper and all of his seed is going to be leprous. Achan wanted to seek great things for himself and he hides the money, dummy, in the center of his tent. And all of his children that knew what their dad had done didn't say anything. They got stoned with their father. I mean, you just go through the scripture, you find out the people who were looking out for them to be number one, they didn't end up as number one or number two. Our problem with seeking great things for ourselves is we have a false expectation on how people should treat us and how circumstances should, should be dealt to us. I know, I know it can be a little cutting this morning, but can I just tell you, you're going to be in heaven forever. And nobody deserves that. That's God's grace. So I spend my 70 years on this earth like a Job, and I go through all kinds of problems, but I get to be with him forever. No problems, no sickness, no temptation, no sorrow, no pain, no death. Well, 
Woe is me. Baruch, not woe is you. God says, I'll do what I want to do. Baruch, not woe is you. You're seeking great things for yourself. That's not what you're supposed to be doing. Now look at one more, one more thing. Look at verse number five. This is the good news, all right? Felt like the beginning it was a little bit bad. But anyway, verse number five. And seekest thou great things for thyself, seek them not. For behold, I will bring, bring evil upon all flesh, saith the Lord. Now look at the last phrase. But thy life will I give unto thee for a prey in all places whither thou goest. Now, I'm going to read that one more time, and I want you to paraphrase what that last phrase is really saying. All right, look at what he says again, last phrase. But Baruch, but thy life will I give unto thee for a prey in all places whither thou goest. What do you think that's saying? God says, I will what? I will take care of you. I'll take care of you. Listen, there's no doubt inside of our auditorium, people who are going and suffering through different things, some who are not here this morning may be listening online, that they're going through such a time. God's final word to Baruch is God's final word to us, that I'm the one that's going to protect you and take care of you. Church, I'm not going to take time to turn to it, and maybe you already know this. But at the, remember Jehoiakim, 11 years, he's taken into captivity, he's going to die. Three months, Jehoiachin, he's taken into captivity, gone, he's going to die. Zedekiah is the final king, and that's when Nebuchadnezzar comes in. And Zedekiah is taken, his eye, I'm sorry, he watches his sons to be killed, and then his eyes are burned out. So the last thing he sees is his children being killed. And he's taken into captivity. Now watch now. When all of the people were taken into captivity in Babylon, there were some people left behind. They were the poorest. Did Jeremiah go into captivity? If you know your Bible, he didn't. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar sends Nebuzaradan, his captain, and says, you go get Jeremiah out of the prison and you give him whatever he wants. Amen. Nebuchadnezzar had heard what Jeremiah had been prophesying and he was a heathen king. But you know, I, didn't, I won't take you to the passages, but you know what I find interesting? Baruch didn't go into captivity either. Jeremiah and Baruch stayed together after the captivity had left. They were left there in Jerusalem. Church family, that wasn't an accident. Everybody else went into captivity. You know why Baruch didn't go into captivity? Because God gave him a promise. Your life will be kept to you as a, for a prey. In other words, I will protect you. In all places that you go, I'm going to be with you. Hey, can I tell you, tell you, when you get this woe is me attitude, remember that God's going to do whatever he wants to do because he is, it's his will. God uh, says here, listen, don't seek great things for yourself. And he says, I just want to remind you, I'm going to take care of you. You don't have to fret. You don't have to worry. The proverb is very interesting, and I'm done. But the proverb says this, be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked. Now listen to this, when it cometh. Not if it comes, not someday down the road, when it comes. You are going to have trials in your life. Amen. Philippians says in Philippians 4, verse number 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. You don't have to worry. You're going to have problems. The college students started on Wednesday, okay? We've got several new freshmen. You met them on Wednesday night. Um, I think it was Wednesday. But anyway, those, uh, when a person comes to college here, I, I interview every person before they come. I don't let them come. Only time it's ever happened was with Enoch, and thankfully that turned out okay. <laughs> but we don't want anybody to come to the college unless they personally talk to me. 
And so I, every time I do my interview, I just remind them, you just need to know if it's God's word for you to be here because I'm just going to tell you something. College is not going to be easy. You're going to have a problem. You're not going to like your roommate. Something's going to go haywire. Don't think just because you come to college there aren't going to be problems. Can I just tell you something? When you got saved, let me just re- make you aware also. You are going to have problems in the Christian life. And there's going to be times in your life that you're going to say, why is God doing this to me? Or why is God allowing this? Don't get a Baruch attitude. Woe is me. Because you know why? God's will for your life might not be what you think it is. God's got a perfect will for your life. And remember, it's not about you. It's about what God's doing in your life. So don't seek great things for yourself. And remember this. You've got a book and you're holding your hand. It's got a full of promises. He says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. You know, the uh, Lord knew that I, we were going to have kids later in life as far as having children. But, you know, I'm 52 and now my kids are starting to, to move on, you know. My uh, Samuel, he's gone now. He's the next one out of the, out, he's away, I should say. Seth was gone last year. He's gone back, but he'll be leaving again. But my kids, I like it, especially if they're a boy. I like it that they do their own. If I like for them working on their own, paying for their own. Especially, I, I don't want to have to take care of them all my life. All right? And I'm very thankful for that. So far, so far, so good. I mean, as far as the kids that have left the house, you know, they work their own job. They pay their own way. I really, really like that. I hesitate saying this because some of my kids are in the room. But if they couldn't make it, I'm going to take care of them. Now I'm thankful they're not expecting it. I'm glad they don't want my help. As they get older, I'm talking about. But you know what? I love them. I don't want anything to happen to them. If they're having a hard time, I'm willing to help them. Is Seth in the room? Where's he at? Seth right there. I still don't like that jacket you're wearing, but anyway. Um, <laughs> Seth, uh, we, t- we took him to a college to go see it. It's a, it's a little more expensive. He wants to go business, do, do a business degree, which I'm thankful for because someone's going to have to take care of me when I'm old. <laughs> and so his mother and I drove halfway across the country to get him to be able to see this particular college to find out if that was God's will for his life. And to be honest with you, I would have helped him to try to go there. And Seth said, I don't want you paying for it. I'm going to come home. I'm going to work in the spring. Lord permit, I'm going to go back. And then I'm going to go in the fall. And I, my wife and I were talking later. I said, I'd help him. I'm so thankful that, you know, that I'm glad he thinks that way. He's got a, a ton of other flaws, believe me. But, <laughs> but I'm thankful that he doesn't want me paying his way. I'm, I didn't, to be honest with you, I really almost told him, Go. But I'm thankful. You know what? As a parent, I want to help him. I want to help him. Can I just tell you, you have a heavenly father that no matter what you're going through in your life, whether it's financial, physical, spiritual, or emotional, you're not alone. And he's up there and says, listen, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So I don't know what your problem is or what you're going through. And I'm going to tell you, there's some of you in the auditorium this morning, I know it's, it's like, how can I bear to even live another day? But I'm just telling you, your Heavenly Father loves you. And the same thing he told Baruch, he says to you, I'll take care of you. You just got to trust me. 
All of Israel goes into captivity. There's no doubt that before Baruch's eye, he saw people beheaded. He saw people that could not eat, that to where they just shriveled up, to where they were a living skeleton by the time the siege got finished. But God took care of Baruch. And God's going to take care of you. So listen, if you're going through a time in your life, even now or later, to where it's just like, God, why are you doing this to me? Remember, God does what he wills. Don't seek great things for yourself. And he promises he will take care of you. Would you mind if you can close your eyes this morning?